This is the After Party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. Hello, Kim. Hello. You made it. I made it. I had a power outage this morning. I knocked Nikki's whole show off the air by leaving the StreamYard feed. Then she oh. had to start a new one. What a mess. But oh, here wow. we are on the After Party Live. Made it through. And I yeah, know. look at you. I know. I know. Rough start. It's a bit of a rough start. How do I sound? Can you hear me? Because I know I have I can some. Hear uh, okay, that's good. I had some uh, audio issues earlier. So Jesus, you're sure. a mess today. I. <laughs> when am I not a mess is the question. I don't know. I probably well, shouldn't remain silent. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, oh, is that right? Oh, that's nice. Hey, I thought you were my friend. What <laughs> happened to you? Unintentionally rude. Let's talk about something happy. It's lasers in the sky. And no, it's not the Jewish space lasers either, right? No, I think these are uh, Asian space lasers. Is that what they are? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. You saw them in person. Yeah. So um, I guess... I, I think it's because there's been so much moisture in the air, like fog and rain and whatnot, that um, the beam is just, it looks like a high beam at night. Mm-hmm. Whereas before you had to kind of like be looking for it and it was going, right. you know, along um, along Market Street. You really see it if you look down Market Street, but um, I, w- I saw it like hit Twin Peaks from where I am. Wow. So yeah. this is like celebratory lasers for the Asian Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit. Yeah, or is- it's like a Joe Biden bat signal. Uh, it seems to be mostly blue, on Joe. blues and purples. I saw a green beam. I'm not sure. Maybe that's an Irish shout out. I don't know what. I don't know if there's any meaning to the color. I don't know. It's kind of cool though. I mean, I don't know. Something fun to do. Something different that people all over the city can see. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's cool. I mean, they have it. We have the technology. Why not use it? Why not do it? Uh, something not so cool though. In the Yoruba Valley, you say Jerupa or Yoruba? I think it's Yoruba. They're doing this. It's uh, they're putting together this subdivision in the Yoruba Valley, and the problem is, is what you see here is actually California's. Technically, it's California's oldest tree, although it looks more like shrubbery. They think that this tree, which grows in the Yoruba Valley, near Riverside in Southern California. It's not it's, the sequoias? It's no well, no. I thought they were the oldest. I thought they were too. They're the oldest redwood tree tree, but this looks more like a shrub than a tree. Technically, it's a tree. I know we're it's not a, supposed to ask questions, but Oh uh, no, it's a Quercus palmary or a palmer oak. It's believed to be the oldest plant in California. So it's estimated between to be between 13,000 and 18,000 years old. Jeez. So that's back to the end of the Ice Age. There's a scientist at UC Davis talking about the discovery of this tree. He said they think that it has survived by cloning itself. And they say it looks more like shrubbery so it's than an alien. a massive, massive tree that it is. Yeah, it's an alien. But... They are incorporating Yoruba Valley and they plan a large housing development for the hillsides right in this area. Now, the people that are trying to develop this project say, we'll protect the tree. We'll protect the, you know, California's oldest Ice Age. Are they billionaires from Solano County? They have some protections. They say um, that they are going to protect the Palmer's Oak, but people are worried that it's you're encroaching on its you know area and when people know where it is and what's going on there might be damage to it right yeah they're going to operate heavy equipment within 259 feet of the tree well just keep the space lasers away from them i guess so they've been going for a while yeah so i hope it's i hope it's safe i hope it stays i hope people don't mess with it yeah Speaking of messing with things, um, people were mm-hmm. upset that, you know, if you signed up for threads through Instagram, yeah. you know, which is like the Twitter X challenger, right. the Pepsi of uh, X. It hasn't uh, done very well, right? Well, people were beyond that, but people were complaining that mm-hmm. once they signed up, they couldn't delete it. Um, so now Meta, the company that owns, you know, Instagram and threads and Facebook and all that, mm-hmm. um, I'm not used to all these names, X and Meta. Uh, changes are being rolled out on the Threads app that would enable users to delete their account while keeping the linked Instagram account, right? Because right now you need the Instagram account to sign up for Threads because they're kind of joined at the hip. 
So uh, but then if you delete your threads, you delete your Instagram? That was the way it was before. So yeah. now because mm -hmm. they've, they've you know, received so many complaints, they've received uh, not-so-positive letters. Uh, initially <laughs> hailed as a, a Twitter killer, like you said, threads has struggled to sustain early record-breaking growth. Um, in October, Zuckerberg, the head of uh, parent company Meta, revealed that three months from its July launch, um, they were attracting about 100 million monthly users down by more than half. When Threads was first revealed, to see as uh, it was seen as a direct challenge to X, but uh, it went live with a without a number of features. Right, you couldn't search, you couldn't send direct messages. Oh, is that um, why it kind of fizzled out? Well, you think about it. If you're going to yeah. have a competitor and it it's not as good, yeah. right? It's just not going to work. The inability to fully delete an account without deleting the associated Instagram account was heavily criticized, and users were only able to deactivate their Threads account, and uh, that made people up upset. So now. So now that they've, they've changed that, uh, it was also announced that thread users will soon be able to opt out of automatic sharing of posts to either um, or both Instagram and Facebook. While the feature directly allowed Meta to raise awareness of threads among billions of who use those platforms, experts say it was unpopular with many users. It had heard feedback that you want more control over the experience. And that's what we always want, right? More yeah. control. <laughs> well, I don't know. I never I never signed up for it. I well, I you just, just have to like mm. click on one thing and then yeah. I was actually um Mark Thompson's first thread message, like the first person to really? reply to him. Yeah. Look at you making history everywhere I you know. go. It's Seeing dancing. the space lasers, sending the threads. Can we talk <laughs> about Luca, Lewis, and Todd? Oh yeah, these guys. Pretty Luca, cool. Luca, Lewis, and Todd, as we switch to our animal section of the after party live. Luca, Lewis, and Todd are a trio of llamas on the loose. They're like a band. In an Ontario town, yes. It's always Ontario. They had to search for these llamas by helicopter, by drone. They hired a professional cowboy <laughs> to get out there. There was a dozen Seal volunteers. This happened in the Blue Mountains in, in Ontario on Friday when a door was accidentally left open. And that meant that Luca, Lewis, and Todd escaped their pen. They apparently have been spotted numerous times. But as of the writing of this story, which was yesterday, they have not been able to have been captured. They say, I got a couple chances to get up close, but they got away. We got so, some video. Do you want to check it out? Yeah, let's look. Let's check them out. I had a couple chances to get up close, but I wasn't able to, uh, to get close enough. The horses started going backwards more than forwards. Hey, buddy. Just moments after speaking hey with Nancy, I came across the three llamas along the seventh line, along with Julie from Feversham, who joined in the search. Yeah, I was, yeah. They walked out the driveway and came right up to me. But once again, the llamas were too quick, yeah. scared, and took back off into the bush. I feel if they stick together, they'll be fine against coyotes. But if it's a pack of coyotes, right? I don't know. I just I just want them home. Now, the llamas are all under the age of five, and volunteers are tonight still frantically searching for any sign of the missing animals. Samantha McKay says she will continue to search for her llamas until they return home safely. Rob Cooper, CTV News, in the town of Blue Mountains. Oh, okay, that last picture is yeah. adorable with the birthday hat. Yeah, that's why I didn't that's... cut it early. Yeah. That's, but they're, ju uh, they're juvenile. They're juvenile llamas. you got to be careful. Luca, Lewis, and Todd. Yeah, they're in a band. They probably smoke pot. You know, <laughs> they don't, they don't want to be home by curfew. Um, no, they're going out. They're uh, they're partying. They're in the after party right now. Yeah, and I like to thank yeah. our Canadian media friends for not um, striking us with a copyright strike. So a little more loose, little. Let's hope. Fingers very crossed. neighborly of the Canadians. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. This next um, story. Before <laughs> we get there, because I do want to <gasps> thank some. I just saw something pop through and pop, first of pop. all doug for a ten dollar super sticker doug doug seriously that's so nice Limu, and also, emu and doug mike hendricks throwing down a fiver for us today thank you thank mike you, mike hendricks you guys are awesome doug and mike the show is crowdfunded which means this is the way that we're trying to cobble together a living and we just thank you guys we're so living much. on the edge we're like <laughs> llamas that have run like away from the run yes that's right <laughs> <laughs> you're dodging power outages uh, I don't it's, know if you're going to show up. It's been wild, <laughs> but at least I don't have to get rescued by like this next guy. Yeah, this is pretty insane. Um, we love our llamas, but we also like our swans. Check this guy out. Oh, 
Yeah, this is uh, animal rescuers in England again, in England. The, the animals in England, they seem to, you know, they don't like their oppressors over there. They don't like to be part of that. You know, the, the English have done quite enough oppressing. The animals have, have had enough. Uh, speaking of which, God save the king. Um, <laughs> this uh, this, uh, this uh, uh, swan is on the top of a storage container outside of a store and became stranded by the small space. The East Sussex Wildlife Rescue and Ambulance Service said a crew was summoned to the Tesco store in Lewes. You know where that is. On oh, a yeah. report of a swan that had spent several hours perched on top of a storage container, the rescuers determined the swan was stranded due to the confined space preventing her from taking flight. So apparently you need a big enough runway if you're a swan. Um, the rescuers determined that the swan had incurred minor injuries from crash landing. And uh, I shouldn't laugh at that. I was taken to be treated. Uh, they, they said the swan would likely be released back into the wild after a few days. So Didn't we just have one. a story about Luz? Uh, that oh, was loose l o o s e oh, that was the uh, that was the emo that was on the loose but this is loose l e w e s how could i i'm keeping so track wrong. yeah okay yeah there's no whole foods in loose with double o um i have a story that's darling this is about a baby muskox who oh. as it turns out really loves the fall foliage so check him out playing with the leaves <laughs> it's so cute it's so cute here he is this little baby muskox that loves to play in the leaves in the fall and i don't know if you have a muskox as a pet like how that works uh but i thought that was a pretty cute little video to show you since we're having a uh, lovely animal time but this yeah this little muskox guy he he just really enjoys it and I, I mean my kids do that it's kind of fun he just can't leave that pile of leaves alone oh yeah. we love an ox although i'm sure they get pretty big i think they do yeah. yeah i don't know who has one playing in their leaves in the front yard but yeah probably shouldn't know. have one of those as a pet when it talk you talk about pets a lot of people seem to name their pets something similar so you hear a lot of like buddies type of yeah. thing the most popular pet names include charlie luna and oliver oh. there is this online marketplace for pet owners that released its annual list of the most popular pet names i guess charlie and luna topped the list for male and female dogs respectively the top 10 male dog names on the rover 11th most popular pet names are max Cooper, Milo, Buddy, Reddy, Rocky hey, Bear, or Rocky rather, Rocky, right. uh, and then Bear separately, Leo, right. and Duke. That'd be weird um, if everyone named their dog Rocky Bear. Rocky Bear, Rocky Bear. The company <laughs> said Max was knocked to the number two spot after 10 years as the top. All right, if you have a female dog, here's the most popular for the females Bella, Daisy, Lucy, Lily, Lola. Zoe, Sadie, Stella, or Bailey. Yeah. There you go. What about cats? Uh, cats, we have for, met, for, for the men cats, for the male for the cats, for the men, Oliver, Milo, Leo, Charlie, Loki, Max, Simba, <laughs> Jack, Ollie, and Jasper. Oh, and for the girly cats, Luna, Bella, Lily, Lucy, Nala, Callie, Kitty, Cleo, Willow, and Stella. What are so. Lilies and Lucy's and Stella's? It's like people names. Yeah. You know, like you name your kid. I, I, I don't know. I just, we well, my dog is named Charlotte, so we don't fall on the list, but we have people names. And uh, my other dog's name was Zoe, so that was on the list. They also have the, um, what is this? It says trending names for the year found some unusual choices, had sharp increases. Do you see that? Trending names for dogs. Oh, yeah. Kelsey, Wednesday, Oak, Laney, Minnow, Smokey, Estrella, yeah. Emma, Emmy, Emma, uh, Emmy. Robbie, mm -hmm. and Chia. Trending names for cats were Norbert, Soju, Norbert. Snoop, <laughs> Snoop, Choco, Fuzz, Zuki, 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 uh, No, as in K N O W, that's weird. Munch, Luffy, and Maisie. I'm back at Norbert. Norbert. A cat named Norbert. Norbert. All right. Or a dog. That's kind of weird. Or it's funny that you would name your cat Snoop, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Snoop Dog. Right. I yeah. get it. 
That's kind yeah. of fun. Kind of a um, fun little list to go for. Pretty cool. Um, this next yeah. story we had yesterday I wanted to get to. It's about... Can you tell what those are from this photo? Mm, it, they look like Brussels sprouts, but I know that it's Christmas trees. Uh, they're Christmas trees. The holidays are fast approaching, and as uh, people prepare to pick out the perfect pine to decorate for Christmas, some growers are warning that the holiday staple could be in short supply. Some Christmas no. tree farms that have been holiday fixtures for decades said they won't be open this season. Shamrock Christmas tree owner John Shipman said to Good Morning America that a major shipment of the most popular Fraser Christmas trees was canceled for his Long Island business due to shortages. Uh, our first trailer load of trees would come in. These bins would be full of trees, various sizes. You could see there are no trees here while showing off the empty bins. First time in 30 years, he said, they'll have to take the this holiday season off. We didn't want to open with just oh, partial... No supply and have people come in and be disappointed so we felt the right decision was to close the farm this year give the field a, you know allowed to get a little bit bigger give us uh, mm -hmm. time to source some trees for next year another christmas tree farm in uh, louisiana told good morning america they'll be closed for this season as well because the farm suffered extensive damage throughout the drought and heat experts say uh, several factors are contributing including drought and canadian wildfires a eh? and uh, there's nothing more frustrating to farm or uh, retail location than when they don't have the inventory that they need or want for a season it's really not uh uh it is not the story nationwide and we have really good yeah. supply of trees she said so i mean it might not be an issue around here because we have a, we have hella trees in northern california <laughs> but we got hella trees yeah but the price might prices probably will go up imagine i'd love to ask you if i could to please click the like button uh please if like you haven't us. subscribed to the after party live please click the subscribe button as well please like us please subscribe share us on facebook Share yes, share us on Facebook. We're uh, we're in our fourth month of doing this show. We'd love to continue it. So thank you again for the super stickers and thank you for clicking like and subscribe. Like uh, this next story has to do with the world's record people. You know we love a girl, good world record here on the After Party yeah. Live, and this is a 15 year old boy. He's from British Columbia. He's now done this Jenga world record three times. Stacking, the first stacking. One, Stacking them up. The first one, he broke his world record. His name is Alden Maxwell. It's on the left, he, that's the first. In 2021, he stacked 638 Jenga blocks on a base composed of a single block. So you see the block right. sticking straight up on the bottom. Right. On that block, he stacked 638 Jenga blocks. Then, a year later, he broke his own record with 1,400 blocks. A year later? Right? Wow, he's growing fast. Yeah, yes, he is. <laughs> uh, and then he did the giant Jenga blocks. He stacked 500 giant ones as well. Well, this year, he has broken both records. And I think that's where he is on the left oh, Okay, there. so that's two years. Maxwell has stacked now 1,840 Jenga blocks on a single block and 900 giant Jenga blocks on a single block. The whole Jenga blocking thing he's got going with the breaking of his own records and you know the feats that he's uh he's situation he's going yeah. has caught the attention of the hallmark channel and so how can they, they make that into a christmas movie have a movie they have turned his story into a world record christmas it premieres on thursday i was joking i was joking about being a christmas movie <laughs> well, these people are desperate are they're like right. Winner, winner, oh, chicken like dinner. You got for it right. Material. They're like, how can we make another Christmas movie? It's not possible. A it's not possible. World record Christmas. I have it. Let's take a... something completely unrelated and tie it in. He's he's got a cameo in the film, and he says that has it helped him achieve his goal of acting on screen. He said when we found out that it was actually happening, we were absolutely thrilled. It felt like an out of body experience for me. It's such an incredible honor for our family. Yes, and it's a world record Christmas. So if you have the Hallmark Channel, you heard it here first. Check it on out. Beth Farmer, for, is that a $20 super sticker? Yeah, uh, Beth. Keep on keeping on, you two. Thank, Thank you, you, Beth. We are That's going to try cool. to keep on keeping on. We're going to push forward with the After Party Live, and we hope that you like what we're doing. Chugga, so chugga, chugga, chugga. Chugga, 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 chugga. Thank you for that $20 super sticker. Right thank on. Thank you very much. That allows us to do stories like this. A California mm. tech investor's wedding trashed the base of a world-renowned landmark. Utah Rude. locals have accused Andrew Chen, a partner of Menlo Park's Andreessen Horowitz. That's a significant tech funding company. Uh, mm. 
of misrepresenting the scale of his separation or uh, celebration. <laughs> They're not separating it, or maybe uh, this might lead to it. Castleton Tower is a prominent natural landmark in Utah near the tiny town of Castle Valley, but otherwise ringed by miles of beautiful rocky scenery. That didn't stop Andrew Chen, a prominent Silicon Valley tech investor, and Emma Waldron, a startup founder and former Miss Ireland. That's a combo right there. Oh, from picking the base of the rock formation for their wedding part, party site and then reporting, reportedly trashing it. Like literally trashing it. Now the couple appears to be trying to wipe some records of the event from the internet. What? Oh, man. Castle Va Valley Council Member Pamela Gibson found the mess on a walk from her cabin on September 3rd, the morning after the wedding. Movers from a Fullerton, California-based rental company were boxing up furniture in a massive truck which had smashed vegetation and left tr treads on the soil. Elsewhere, bags of trash and food laid scattered. The council member said that she was so angry she was shaking. When Gibson returned the next day, the furniture was gone, but the site was still scattered with ripped up open trash bags, broken glass and cardboard. Kind of looks like the uh, sidewalks of San Francisco. Well, I mean, are they going to clean it up? You would you would hope so. Uh, BLM rangers ended up having to collect the abandoned property and refuse, no. according to an email from BLM mm -mm. to Gibson and Castle Valley Mayor Jasmine Duncan on September 7th. Um, this is just really I hope they gross. get charged. I hope they get yeah, Chen, charged extra. Chen picks video game and metaverse investments for the powerful. Oh, yeah. He's involved in the metaverse. That explains mm -hmm. a lot. For the powerful. Doesn't know how to operate in the real world. For the powerful Menlo-based uh, venture capital uh, firm, uh, Andreessen Horowitz, that we mentioned. Before that, he worked as the leader of uh, writer growth at Uber. Oh, he works for, yeah, he worked for those D-bags, too. You can't go to a national park and trash it like that and not think that it's not going to end up being a story that's just yeah. not you know you this is something for all of us this we yeah. all share this space and if you get a permit to have your wedding there okay got it i i might not want to have a big old party in the middle of yosemite like you know with the tables and the chairs on the brush and everything to crush vegetation i think yeah. that's not very thoughtful they know they were guilty they're they're going they're wiping out all their social media posts from the events oh, no. um deleted posts gonna, from x if, if you're going to do it, at least make sure that you clean it up. What is they? What is it they say? Take only pictures, leave only footprints, yeah. right? So if you're going to go do this, make it exactly leave it better like than it you was found before. It. Exactly. Why is that not? Why do people not follow that rule anymore? My parents always said, if you borrow something from someone, return it better than you in better condition than you, than you found it, right? If you borrow yeah. a lawnmower or a power tool or a, a car, you always gas it up. You always charge it up. You always return it in tip-top condition. So if if you're going to do this, then you better leave it better than you found it. Yeah, the, that's horrible. Per the BLM email sent to Gibson and Duncan, the couple got the go-ahead from the agency to have a simple wedding ceremony with one small white tent at the base of the tower. But according well, to photos of the wedding's aftermath provided to SF Gate by Gibson, Castle Valley residents, and now deleted social media posts. The celebration was way larger than that. And so they d discussed it at the uh, the city council. They sent a letter to uh, BLM complaining um, that they had admitted that they'd use a generator, contract a catering service, set up tables, chairs, erect a 24-foot cabana, line the road with glass candles, use a toilet facility service, and leave behind the refuse for days. Um, the, BL the BLM was implored not to allow wedding receptions at the base in the future. Um, writing that it could uh, easily expand into like, this kind of extravaganza. Yeah. They're saying it was a commercial event, small by LA standards, I'm sure, but still it should not have happened and they're not going to be responsible for it. And that's what really galls me. Effectively, for four days, people couldn't, the public couldn't enjoy what it should be able to enjoy because these people right. have no qualms about misrepresenting something just so they can have a pretty little wedding. Um, it's a world renowned landmark, particularly among photographers. And um, they said that the agency would be following up with the wedding couple in partnership with BLM law enforcement. They declined to uh, share further details. And, it sounds uh, like they've ruined it for everyone. That now anyone who wants a small little, you know, a, yeah. a witness and two people and a and a what do you call it, preacher or you know an officiant, officiant, officiant yeah. now no probably no one is going to be approved because of what they did. Yeah, rich people being a holes. That's great. Yeah. Woohoo! This is welcome. a great party. Yes. Let's talk <laughs> about Wednesday. white people. Woohoo! White Wait, people. Yeah. Oh, I said rich people. I, I didn't say white people. Uh, yeah, well, let's let's I, I extract your Venn diagram right. got a little weird there. Yeah, it got a little hazy. Wait, what white are we talking faces about? generated by AI. Oh, thank you for clarifying. Are more convincing than photos. A new survey is saying that 
people are more likely to think pictures of white faces generated by AI are human than photographs of real individuals. That is so weird. What? Racist. The researchers say, remarkably, (laughs) white AI faces can convincingly pass as more real than human faces. So AI has figured out how to be racist. That's right. People don't realize that they're actually being fooled. If you see a white person, is it fake or is it real? We don't know. This team includes researchers from Australia, the UK, the Netherlands. They said their findings are important uh, because of the real-world implications of identity theft, the possibility people can end up being duped by digital imposters. That's not real. That's fake. They said the results didn't hold up for images of people of color, possibly because the algorithm used to generate AI faces is largely trained on the images of white people. Oh, so it's the people who set up the AI. That's that right. Were, They're all the white people. They They're racist so, bias. They're, bi- they're biased. <laughs> yes. I mean, come on. It's wild. They say they're going to produce more realistic situations for white faces than other races because of how the AI has been trained thus far. Just like training your children. Oh, Lord. (laughs) The AI is learning by example. Got to be careful what you say in front of the AI. Is that not the biggest takeaway from this story? Really? I mean, you got it right on the money. The, um, The team says this could mean perceptions of race end up being confounded with perceptions of being human, adding they could perpetuate social biases, including finding missing children, given that this can depend on AI-generated faces. Yeah, I'm going to go with this this face is fake. I thought it looked fake to me, too. If it's not fake, that's creepy. Either it's fake or it's a, a picture of someone that were submitted to one of those, you know, apps that make you look like a painting. That's right, what it right, looks like right. to me. Yeah. People who post those like AI images as if they look like a model because the AI like makes you look like a model. Yeah. Here's um, the numbers. They people were asked to select which face was AI generated and or real and how confident you are on this on a 100 point scale. So 124 participants say 66% of AI images were rated as human compared with 51% of real images. They make it so good that it's hard to tell. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I, it goes on. There's a lot of numbers here about, yeah. you know, what happened in the study. But the bottom line is humans seem to be unable to tell apart real faces from those generated by AI. Eric's right. This looks like a painting. Color. Yeah, it does look like a painting. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right. Now, well, race, racism you, you want to continue being uh, creeped out? Let's Ready do it. Story? No, Check no, I take it back. Let's not do it. <laughs> <laughs> if Carlsberg did insects, a new species of beetle is named after the beer, the Carlsberg beer, thanks to its uh, bottle opening uh, opener shaped genitalia. It, although it, this wasn't one of the variations of the Danish brewery's famous advertising slogan, there's some truth to it. Um, <laughs> it looks like a bottle opener at the end. Scientists have discovered a South American species of beetles with male sex organs that could take the cap off your favorite lager, they claim. What? The bug's sexual organs are so similar that they traced an outline of its shape and are planning to manufacture it as a small bottle opening keychain. While the researchers have no idea why the penis of this certain beetle evolved as it did, its shape has earned the species the name Lancovilius Carlsbergi. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Can you really take that bug in your hand and open a beer bottle with it? No, I think it's a joke. You open the beer bottle with its weenus? No, I don't think. I think it's a joke. Mm, um, okay. The new species is one of six new <laughs> Lancovilius beetles described in a study by researchers from the Natural History Museum of Denmark at the University of Copenhagen. As for why it's specifically named after Carlsberg rather than any other beer, research at the university has been recently funded by the not-for-profit Carlsberg Foundation. That's right. Money Mm -hmm. buys everything. This species is characterized, among uh, other things, by the fact that its male sexual organs, uh, it's shaped remarkably like that bottle opener. You know what? Maybe they should take this to the world court. I hear it's in Belgium. (laughs) No, it's not in Belgium. Oh, wait, No. no. It's uh, just a little, yeah, just a little further south from uh, Denmark uh, in Holland. Yeah. There is a stamp that is worth an astronomical amount of money. This is why I don't collect stamps. I mean, to me, it's cool. Wait, you don't collect them because they're worth a lot of money? It's a piece of paper. Right. I would misplace it. It would burn. You would look it, put it on a letter. 
something. There's an ultra rare stamp that has this upside down aircraft on it. Oops. It's called an inverted Jenny. The inverted Jenny just sold for $2 million at a New York auction. It is now the record, speaking of world records, for the most expensive single U.S. stamp ever sold. Wow. The inverted Jenny was purchased Wednesday and is known, I think of last week, and is known for its rarity and the fact that it was printed in error as the plane on it came out upside down. The red, white, and blue colored stamp purchased by Charles Hack who is a 76-year-old stamp collector. That he sounds like the, the name Washington of somebody Post. who would be, like, collecting stamps. Hello, I'm Charles Hack. I Charles collect stamps. Hack. He says this is the holy grail of postage. It is a piece of American history. And $2 million, it's considered a legend among collectors to have one of these. I guess it was part of a collection made to mark the launch of regular U.S. airmail service. Yeah. This is a Curtis JN4 airplane in the middle. Uh, upside down in error, there was an original sheet of 100 inverted Jenny errors. It was originally purchased in 1918. And then, uh, I guess, from there, you know, the, he sold them and they became a collector's items. So, if you were, like, working at the stamp printing press back then, don't you think you mm -hmm. would have made some errors on purpose and then, like, pocketed a bunch of them? I think that's illegal. Don't think you get fired for that? And only if you get caught. Oh my and then God. they could uh, give them to their ancestors. This stamp is number 49 on that sheet of 100. Yeah. yeah. It was in perfect condition because it was in a bank vault for 100 years and kept in the dark since it was purchased by its last owner. So I'm telling you, it's probably his yeah. like uh, nephew. It's probably what it was. Yeah. Two million. Can you believe that for that? That's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. It looks kind of cool, though. If I had two million... A stamp is not what I would buy. I'm just saying. Well, um, we'll give you a, a chance to think about what you would buy if you had $2 million after we take this break. We'll on do the it. After Party Live. You ready for it? Right on. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience, and without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute $10, $15, or $20 a month, it would keep this party a rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated, and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. To you, and thank you for all the ways you contribute to the show. Ongoing contributors, yes. Sarah K. and Laura W., you are so appreciated. Again, that's Sarah K. and Laura W., thank you so much. And thank you to our super sticker people today as well. That's Doug for $10. That's Mike for $5. And that's Beth for $20. Thank you guys so much for helping us out. We thank really you appreciate so much. it. Yes. Yes, um, yes, can yes. I do this one last story from the last Please section? Do it. This is about life expectancy. Yeah. Um, life expectancy. And here's a diagram it's to good, show life good expectancy. Good for me and bad for you, I guess. Oh. Huh? Life expectancy for men in the U.S. falls to 73 years, six years less than for women per right. a study from the study people. They're back. The life Sayonara, expectancy sucker. of men. Yeah. This is in, um, <laughs> this was released Monday by JAMA Internal Medicine. JAMA has many divisions, at least partially as a consequence of over 1 million COVID 19 deaths. Life expectancy in the U.S. has declined significantly over the past few years, falling from 78.8 in 2019 to 77. In 2020, 76.1 in 2022, undoing over two decades of progress. This puts country uh, puts the U.S. far behind its wealthy peers. Countries such as Japan, Korea, Portugal, U.K., Italy all enjoy a life expectancy of 80 or more. Countries such as Turkey, 78.6, and China, 78.2, also fare better. This falloff has become a key issue for the FDA. Uh, the picture is especially concerning for men whose uh, life expectancy is now 73.2 years compared to women's 79.1 women are winning mm, i know this 5.9 year gap is the widest between the two genders since 1996 across the world women tend to live longer than men um this is according to uh, a physician at uh, ucsf the lead author of the study but the widening gap should concern the u.s he says uh, because it shows that the base that baseline factors accounting for men's lower longevity genetics men's higher vulnerability to chronic disease Men just doing stupid things, I would throw in there, uh, aren't the sole reason for the difference in life expectancies. The opioid epidemic, mental health, chronic oh. metabolic 
Met- metabolic. <laughs> I'm making up words today, mm-hmm. this week. Uh, metabolic. Metab- metabolic. Uh, m- metabolic. Also COVID, right? Because I heard COVID yeah. was to blame as yeah. well. So they're certainly front and center in the data that they're seeing. Explain the widening life expectancy gap by gender as well as the drop in life expectancy. Men have higher mortality rates from all these three conditions compared to women. So there's, they're talking about these conditions relative to women. Uh, a lot of drivers of worsening life expectancy for men are preventable causes of death. Like you said, even COVID-19 could be considered a preventable cause of death in the time since vaccines have become available, they say. So it suggests that advancements in medical treatment are no longer sufficient to counter ongoing public health crises. Uh, we have a healthcare system that is very advanced in treating illnesses and advanced disease, but for the most part, it's not very good when it comes to preventative care. Mm. Come on, U.S. Blue Spark says, dang, I better hurry up with some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you wanted to do something, now's the time. Snap, well, hopefully snap, we all make it to it. the end of the show. Yeah, I'd let's hope so. <laughs> Square says older now and get a free bottle of Metabo off. Mm. What did you say? Met- metabol- not You didn't say metabolic. Instead of, you instead said, of met- metabolic, I said, said me- metabolic. 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 I'm trying to invent pronunciations. 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 Oh, that's yeah. good. Um, okay, let's talk about Jimmy Kimmel because apparently... Is it what? He's coming back to host the Oscars? Is that right? Yeah, I don't have a picture of Jimmy Kimmel, but I think we all remember what he looks like, right? Yeah. Um, Jimmy Kimmel, the uh, perennial favorite, will return to the Oscar stage once again. They just announced today. ABC Late Night host has signed on to be the 96th uh, Academy Awards host, marking the fourth time in the role. I think he's probably the best choice. He's relatively neutral. He's affable. He's funny, right? He's sometimes like the Mark Thompson of be, ABC. Yeah, sometimes he can be a little bit too like he can go step over the line in my observation like With he what? kind of his humor can be a little biting toward people. Mean? Yeah. Oh, I think you're just too nice, Kim. Is that what it That's is? That's why but you're going to live longer. I do like him though. I like him <laughs> a lot. You don't have an enemies list. Um, but I mean, in terms of com- comedians go and and like compared to all the yeah. people being canceled, oh, I think he's yeah. rel- relatively no, neutral. I, I, I've enjoyed the Oscars when he's been the host. Absolutely. Yeah. And has he said anything? I don't think he said anything controversial in the telecast, right? I don't know. Just, you know, jokes here and there, but not like it it comes out the next day where he'll never be asked back. Yeah. People have to have a sense of humor, especially when they're so full of themselves and like they're, you know, the Academy Awards, like, you know, I'm a big deal. Um, His announcement follows the mid-October news. The Academy set a producing team, uh, a returning director and a first-time showrunner in Raj Kapoor a live TV and go to LA uh, Vegas residency producer who's worked on the Academy Awards telecast for the last seven years. Kimmel's wife and Jimmy Kimmel live co-head writer Molly McNearney are also back as executive producers for the telecast. So uh, they're keeping it in the family. Um, I didn't realize his wife was one of the writers on the show. That's cool. Yeah, though there were rumblings about a potential Oscar date move during the darker days of Hollywood's dual strikes. Such a thing is no longer necessary. Obviously in the top town's top talent is already back in full campaign mode. Uh, many have been scrambling to make up for lost t- time. In fact, Kimball's ABC show is poised to benefit from the parade of A-listers hungry to promote this year's Oscar hopefuls. Mm-hmm. So right. I think that's a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy even Kimmel, though here he comes again. Even though you don't appreciate his humor. I do appreciate his humor, but there are some moments where it's like he'll point at someone and say something and it's like, oh, it's, that doesn't feel it's, good. Because it's, it's funny. Yeah. It's not a yeah. roast. It's the Oscars. Sometimes you do things for the joke. This is and the to humble story, people. This is the story that just won't die. Yeah, it's a this, follow-up to the follow-up. A follow-up to the follow-up. We told you about Coyote versus Acme, this movie that was going to be shelved by Warner Brothers. Right. And then for tax they purposes, had all kinds tax write-off. Of, yeah, for tax write-off reasons. Then they had all kinds of backlash. And now they say, all right, we'll allow you to sell it to some other distribution company or right. what have you. Well, now there's a congressman out of Texas. His name is Joaquin Castro. He's calling for a federal investigation into Warner Brothers Discovery over its handling of Coyote versus Acme. He said the Warner Brothers tactic of scrapping fully made films for tax breaks is predatory and anti-competitive. He took to X to talk about this. Uh, Again, we say, as we mentioned, the studio reversed its decision to shelve this live action and animation hybrid movie. Uh, they say, yeah, no, we'll go ahead and let you sell it. But the creative community, not happy. And so the whole spotlight put on this movie now resulting in what may be a congressional investigation, right? 
we know they've federal investigators have looked into antitrust issues with Microsoft and Google Entertainment, Ticketmaster, Live Nation. So Warner Brothers may find itself on in some hot water because of the practice of trying to get tax write-offs by taking a fully formed movie that they yeah. need to have made and just sticking it on a shelf. And taking advantage of the tax code. And you think about all the waste, and just for the environment. Imagine all the, right. the millions of dollars and all the resources that go into it. He's the twin brother of Julian Castro, who was uh, HUD secretary for Obama. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Julian and uh, Joaquin. Joaquin. Yeah. Kind of um, cool. yeah. Um, and then we have this story you put in about Marlon Wayans. Yeah, we kind of talked about it on the Nicky Maduro show, but I'll, I'll mention it here. This Marlon Wayans story. You mean story. that show that just abruptly ended? Yeah, oh, yeah that one. Sorry. That's the one. Too soon? Yeah, too soon. It hurts my soul. <laughs> Marlon Wayans apparently went through a very personal transition when his son came out as trans and he wait he about, went through a transition yes he went through because you have no to pun intended no you go through this transition when you think you have a child of one gender say right. you think you have a son and then the son goes away and becomes instead a daughter and yeah. so you have to go along on a transition through your own self. Right. I probably would have chosen a different word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, he's not getting a sex change. But no, he is having to kind of, you know, look within himself and figure out how he can also go through that journey and go from, you know, make the, the switch over to having a different gendered child. He said he's still working on his pronouns. Um, he called his new uh, daughter the most well-read, smartest member of the family, hands down. He said, I just want my kids to be free. I want them to be free and spirit-free and free to be themselves because the more you know yourself, the more you can govern yourself, the more you live your truth, the happier your existence. He's got it right. And I think it's important to note that it's hard. It's a hard journey for the parent too, right? You don't just say to someone, oh, I'm trans. And, and everything's like, Okay, right. In some cases, the parent or family members have to come, come to terms. Even though yeah. you want to be accepting and you say, "Great, do what makes you happy," there's still an internal journey that you have to go right. through. Or struggle as you to understand, work. especially for a lot of fathers. You struggle to understand. You yeah. struggle to kind of make sense of it all and to realize that what you, the person you thought maybe right. was your child, is the still image that person. That you imagine, yeah. But they're just different. And so, right. yeah, I mean, I, again, I said earlier, I've heard parents say it feels like a death, even though I think that's a little strong, because right. you have, you know, the ending of one person that you knew and the start of someone else. But so, you thought you knew. Right, exactly. Or somebody who thought that they had to conform to society. Um, I think him coming out and saying that will help a lot of people maybe going through that with their family members. So. Hopefully. Yeah. Good news. Um. We can't get AI out of the news. No, it's, it's back. back again. DeepMind AI can beat the best weather forecasts, but there is a catch. AI can predict the weather 10 days ahead more accurately than current state-of-the-art simulations, according to AI firm Google DeepMind. But meteorologists do do it? Have, do have warned it? against abandoning weather models based in real physical principles and just relying on patterns and data where, mm. while pointing out shortcomings in the AI's approach. Existing weather forecasts are based on a mathematical model uh, which uses physics and power powerful supercomputers to deterministically predict what will happen in the future. These models have slowly become more accurate by adding finer detail, which in turn re requires more computation and therefore ever more powerful computers and higher energy demands. Uh, Google DeepMind and, uh, has taken a different approach. Their GraphCast AI model is trained on four decades of historical weather data from satellites, radar, and ground measurements, identifying patterns that not even Google DeepMind understands. Like many machine learning AI models, it's not very easy to interpret how the model works. Um, to make the forecast, it uses real readings taken from more than a million data points around the planet at two given moments in time, six hours apart, and predicts the weather six hours ahead. Um, those predictions can then be used as the inputs for another round forecasting a further six hours into the future. They've run this process with data from the European uh, Center for Medium Range Weather Forecast to create a 10-day forecast. They say it beats... The gold standard high resolution forecast by giving more accurate predictions on more than 90% of de uh, tested data points. What do you think? Mm, until it doesn't, right? Because it all feels great until 
it starts getting things wrong. And then you're you've moved off to this other model and you don't you can't compare the two. Well, maybe think, you run them in tandem for a period right, of time. Right. That's exactly. For a period of time you run them in tandem. Maybe for This reminds five, me of the medical AI. Years. The medical AI, like noticing things that humans wouldn't perceive. Right? Cuz yes. we know what mm -hmm. we love Spencer Christian and Mark and all those weather forecasters out there, but they're wrong a lot of the time. Or sometimes maybe you get a really good forecaster and they see something, you know, that other people didn't. And maybe the computer wouldn't pick up on a, some anomaly somewhere. Right. I don't know. Based on experience. Yeah, based, exactly. Based on experience and looking at things. And I don't well, know. Well, there's your AI update for the day. Well, from, I guess this is kind of technology related. I'm going to call this the shopping segment. From okay. AI to self-checkout. Ah. Apparently, yeah, I guess... It seems to be that now self-checkout systems are in question. Walmart, Costco, other companies rethinking the whole self-checkout. Oh, come on. You just spent all that time training me to do the work of others. Exactly. Well, now there's this store in um, in the UK called Booths. It's a supermarket oh, yeah. chain. They are removing their self-checkout stations yeah. in all but, 20, all, all but two of their 28 stores. In the United States, we've got Walmart, Costco, Wegmans, and other chains that have also been revising their self-checkout strategies. They say our customers have told us over time... The self-scan machines that we've got in our stores can be slow, they can be unreliable, and they're very impersonal. Impersonal, that from booths. You can say um, the same about a lot of cashiers. It's true. Slow, very impersonal. impersonal. Very impersonal. Don't even Scott look up. Rittenberg, thank you for we the have, we have our own super self, sticker. We have our own self-checkout here. Let's check that out, life. Scott Rittenberg. Thank you for that. Thank you, Scott. So customers apparently have misidentified which fruits and vegetables they were buying when prompted by self-checkout machines at the grocery store. Alcohol purchases also not so smooth uh, at self-checkout because employees they're not even allowed to, at a lot of them. Employees have to come over and verify your age. Yeah, oh, or man, like at I Safeway, they don't even they don't they don't even let let you do it at Safeway. Like you have to go to the actual you well, know person. People, that's because people are stealing left and right. Right? Yeah. I mean, well, I don't uh, they don't want teenagers to go through. The self-checkout, mm. right? Or, or underage people. Heather loves the self-checkout. I'm sorry, Heather. It might Well, they just be... got us trained. Like, at yeah. first I resisted it until I realized, well, I'm a little antisocial. And sometimes I just have a couple items and I can get out faster. It was supposed right. to lower labor expenses, you know? Sometimes if there's a monster line, it, you look at the self-checkout things and think, yeah, I could probably do this really Sometimes quickly. there's a monster line at the self-checkout almost every mm -hmm. afternoon here on Market Street. Is that right? You know? Yeah. And they don't have enough... Um, of regular checkout lines. Yep. Retailers are now saying self-checkout leads to higher merchandise losses from customer errors and intentional shoplifting known as shrinkage than human cashiers ringing Oh, that's up a different customers. shrinkage. That's, that's a different like a kind of, shrinkage. that's a whole different kind of shrinkage. Oh, Vanessa's right. Yeah, this, uh, that's what I thought. Alcohol is not legal at self-checkout in California specifically. Mm, okay, yeah. So one study apparently says the companies with self-checkout lanes and apps had a loss rate of about 4% more than double the industry average. So not working for them. Some items don't scan well, I guess. And so that slows things down. Yeah. Uh, products, if you're buying like fruit or meat, where you typically have to weigh stuff, people will screw that up all the time as well. Sometimes the deals don't work. Like at Safeway, if they have like a, like you mm -hmm. do a combo and it's like chips and a yeah. drink, or whatever, there'll be like certain sodas that aren't in their system. And it won't give you the discount. And, you know, I have to be all Karen-like and be like, excuse me, I get my $2 off. Pardon me, I need my Lori discount. says, honestly, self-checkout makes me want to steal. I've seen, <laughs> especially during that period of time in San Francisco where everyone was stealing uh, everything, I just see people like they'd like scan an item and then walk off with everything. But now well, they've installed a gate where you have to scan your receipt to oh, get out of the corral. That's interesting. That could so work. the new problem is there's like a backup. There's like a, it's like a toll booth and now there's right. a backup and it gets to the point where the, the employee just like opens the gate and lets everybody out because everyone's well, frustrated. And maybe you mine. bought three things, but you have five things in the bag. So you scan the receipt, but the, the scanner doesn't know what you've got in your bag. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's just another way to keep somebody from, you know, if they didn't finish a transaction and pay for anything from just going through. Well, self-checkout right. might be on the way out. Uh, also, I don't know if you've seen this, if you use Snapchat. No. I guess they I'm have now a new way for you to buy stuff. They're now going to allow you to buy things on Amazon without leaving the Snapchat app. 
They're running ads for select products on popular photo messaging app Snapchat. And unlike the prompts to get a user to open your phone's web browser, Amazon shopping ads will now allow you to shop and check out without ever having to leave Snapchat. It's all done within the app. Right, because you need people to be lazier. For the first time, customers will be able to shop Amazon's Snapchat ads and check out with Amazon without ever leaving the social media app. So it's real-time pricing, it's delivery estimates, everything right in the app. There you go. Um, File that under things that are not necessary. No. (laughs) You know, what is necessary? It's all from the devil. Oh, oh, there he is. (laughs) (laughs) Parents are fuming... At a sick after-school Satan club, but no goats will be sacrificed. Parents have been left furious over a new Satan after-school club that's set to launch in a primary school uh, here in the U.S., founded by members of the Salem-based Satanic Temple. The after-school Satan club. That's exactly what you need, right? After-school Satan club. Plans to start meeting at Lebanon Elementary School in Connecticut next month. There are already eight of the Satan Kid clubs being hosted across several U.S. states, but the Lebanon Elementary School. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a flyer for the new club was posted to Facebook by the Satanic Temple, announcing it will start at 3.30 p.m. on December 1st and last an hour with more dates in 2024 already scheduled. Hey, kids, let's have fun at After School Satan Club, the flyer reads. <laughs> the poster explains the Satanic Temple sees Satan as a literary figure who represents rejecting tyranny and championing the human mind and spirit. Yeah. Well, of course, that's what Satan wants you to believe. It claims the club doesn't <laughs> seek to convert children to any religion, but helps them think for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, One person commented, all of you need help. Leave the innocent children alone. Your world is demonic. Keep our children out of it. Activities to be hosted at the Children's Club include science projects, projects, community service projects, puzzles, uh, games, (laughs) work your way out of heaven. Uh, What kind of game is that? (laughs) uh, Nature nature activities and arts and crafts. Fight to Uh, the death. But uh, locals have been left outraged over the new club as they dub it demonic and sickening. Another uh, added, this is disgusting with four Gs. Uh, third wrote, wow, as if kids aren't effed up enough. One concerned parent even claimed they'd remove their child from the school to keep them away from the club, commenting, this seriously concerns me. My son will be homeschooled. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? I think that if you offer a Christian club or, you know, in my high school, they had they called it New Life, but it was the Christian club. Or if you offer, a, I don't care what religion, a Muslim club, a Jewish club, or whatever it is, then you have to open the doors to every single religion. And this is why you don't offer after-school yeah. religious clubs, because you don't want this one when you don't want all of them, right? So uh, you the, just, a bl- it's a blanket note of religion and public school. Done. The founders of uh, After School Satan Club, uh, ASSC. <laughs> or ask C for short, <laughs> exists to provide a safe and inclusive alternative to the religious clubs that you were speaking of yep. that use uh, threats of eternal damnation to convert school children to their belief system, according to the right. website. They claim they're not interested in converting ch- children to Satanism, and the club instead focuses on science, critical thinking, creative yeah. arts, and good works for the community. They're, they're doing it to make a point. And I get yeah, the point, I and I like it. the point. I wouldn't register my kid for it because I find it creepy, even though I've read a little bit about it. And I, Nikki and I did an interview with one of the founders of the, you know, Satan Club Society or whatever. Yeah, I, I just don't know if you need... Like, they're not sitting around in a pentagram. They're not doing like, you know, what you what you and I would envision is satanic rituals like or anything. Like sitting That's before that altar right about. there. Yeah, it's about more like studying nature... That type of thing. There you go. There's the projects. Yeah. Maybe a little cartoon. Dub. But to use the word satanic or Satan with That's elementary right. school, if it yeah. was like high school, I'd be okay with it because kids would be old enough to know, you know, to be in on the joke, whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, for children, I think that's kind of weird. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. creepy. It's so weird that I, I would say no thank you. But yeah, again, you could just call it the atheism club or something like that. Yeah. That's And why have a little animated character it. like. An aardvark, see, aardvark the atheist or something. They're making the point, though, that they don't want the religious clubs. That's why right. they're calling it the Satan, Satan Club. So they're using the children for their political um, agenda. Something else that we should ban. Oh, no. Or actually, they are banning it in Nepal. They're banning TikTok. The TikTok. Why? They're banning the TikTok because they say it is a social disruption to harmony. A disruption to social harmony. Yeah. They decided to ban TikTok. They call the video app disrupting social structures 
and they're not having it. They don't want anything to do with it, considering how TikTok is disrupting our social harmony and the impact it's having on our family and social structures. The cabinet in Nepal has decided to ban TikTok for the moment. They don't want it. Uh, they said they had a long discussion on how to control the tendency to spread disharmony, disorder, and chaos in society. And a consensus was reached among all political parties, including both the ruling party and the opposition. So they worked together on getting rid of TikTok. Yep. Wow. I mean, I'm not sorry to see it go. And if Nepal thinks it's disrupting their social structures and their social harmony, sayonara, sucker. I've gotten rid of it, mostly um, because it takes up a lot of space on my phone. Yeah. But I have a friend that always like sends me links. And if you don't have the app on your phone, you can only like have partial functionality uh, through the web. Mm -hmm. Right. And you can't like, you know, use all the features. Anyway, I, I always end up deleting it. Um, I don't need I don't need it. I've read I stories that say some people get most of their news from TikTok. That's scary. Which surprised me. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to do that. No. Uh, Earth, the U.S. is still feeling aftershocks from earthquakes in the 1800s. What? That's weird. What do you mean? What? In a study from you know who that is sure to shake up the geological world. Get it? Some parts <laughs> of the U.S. are still dealing with aftershocks from earthquakes that happened in the 1800s. Two centuries ago, some of the most powerful earthquakes ever recorded in the U.S. rocked the central and eastern regions of the country, including Missouri, Kentucky, and South Carolina. It was probably the devil. Um, it was probably the devil. Uh, persisting <laughs> aftershocks are sorry. These earthquakes believed to, to have had a magnitude somewhere between 6.5 and 8.0. So those are major. Aftershocks are smaller seismic events, as we know, because we're from California, that can occur in the wake of a major earthquake, persisting for days to years after the initial quake. They're a natural part of the earth fault adjustment process. You know, the earth has processes, protocols, and standards. Of course. Although aftershocks are typically smaller in magnitude than the main quake, they can still cause damage, right, to infrastructure um, and whatnot. Uh, some scientists suppose that contemporary seismicity, seismicity uh, mm, in parts you did of... well, yes. Yeah, I'm having challenges this week. Uh, in parts of stable North America, I'm not so stable. Uh, and other scientists think it's mostly background seismicity. Got the right again. Uh, they say that's the, this is the study, <laughs> this is the study leader. Uh, this is why you should always read ahead in your material. We wanted to view this from another angle using a statistical method, they say. Um, regions near the epicenters of these historic quakes still experience seismic activity today, leading to the possibility that some of the modern earthquakes that they're experiencing could be persistent aftershocks from the past. They could also be foreshocks, which precede a larger huh. earthquake, or simply oh, background great. seismic activity which is the usual level of seismic activity in a given region. According to USGS, distinguishing between foreshocks and background seismic activity is challenging until a larger earthquake occurs. However, scientists can identify aftershocks. Understanding the cause of modern quakes is crucial for assessing future disaster risks in those regions, even if the current seismic activity is not causing uh, significant damage. Um, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is interesting. The study revealed that the aftershock sequence from the 1663 earthquake near southeastern Quebec has concluded, and the modern seismic activity in the area is unrelated to that historic quake. In the case of two other historic quakes in the Missouri-Kentucky border region in 1811 to 1812 in Charleston, South Carolina, 1886, aftershocks from these events may still be occurring centuries later. Does that um, mean that Loma Prieta was an aftershock of the great quake of 1906? Who knows? Maybe. Mm -hmm. um, so this study, if you want to take a look, is in the Journal of Geophysical Research, Solid Earth Edition. <laughs> I often, you have that on your coffee table, do you not? Cite your sources, yeah. Kim. Always yeah. cite your sources. Uh, can we end on, on a positive note with this little guy? Aww. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a sea cucumber. And apparently there was some new research done by the research people yeah. that shows that there are some species of sea cucumbers that can actually glow in the dark. Who Whoa. knew that they were glowers? A team of researchers glowers. from Nag Nagoya University in Japan, they found 10 known deep sea species are actually bioluminescent in their natural habitats. It's part of a new textbook called The World of Sea Cucumber. The World of Sea Cucumber. Mm -hmm. It was published on November 10th. It's a perfect holiday gift. There are roughly <laughs> 1,200 species of sea cucumbers. These marine invertebrates are found in every ocean on Earth. 
They're best represented, though, in the Western Pacific and the Indian Ocean. They like to live in shallow water, but some of them live at depths of thousands of feet. They're, of course, closely related to sea urchins and sea stars and sand dollars. And they're, they can be anywhere from an inch long up to six feet long. Some of them sh- stick, shoot out tangles. What? Some of them shoot, 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 shoot. Some of them shoot out tangles of sticky noodle-like goo from their rear ends when they're provoked. Oh, yeah. Not far off. Yeah. This new textbook, though, discusses the bioluminescent properties of some of these sea cucumbers. And I guess they didn't know this before. So what comes out the end, uh, out the back? Is that also bioluminescent? I'm not sure. They say it's energy released from interior chemical reactions that are sometimes ejected from the organism. Yeah, like a sparkle rainbow. Function is still a mystery. That's pretty good. But it's generally used to ward off or evade predators, find food, or it could be a form of communication. Yeah, it's shooting out like a colorful laser down Market Street. Yeah, there you go. From lasers to cucumbers, we've come full circle here on the After Party Live. Has it been an hour Thank already? You. It has been an hour. I know I'm not ready to go either. My John Daly time is always not long enough at all huge huge thank you to ongoing contributors sarah k and to laura w to doug for ten dollars uh to mike Hendricks for five dollars and to beth farmer for 20 you guys thank you for helping us oh and scott and rittenberg for ten dollars you thank you so much we so appreciate your help and for spending an hour with us and hanging out on the after party live we love you have a great afternoon have a good afternoon john daly have a great afternoon. I hope your power stays on, although we do Me have PG&E, so you never know. You never Good know. Good luck. See you tomorrow, Bye, everybody. Mm-hmm.